don't jump to the next best thing anytime it becomes uncomfortable. When we cohabitate, we jump to the next best thing as, as soon as it becomes uncomfortable for us or as soon as it becomes hard for us or as soon as there's a challenge for us, we just say, you know what? Yeah, I'll jump to the next best thing. There's another church. There's lots of churches in Marietta, guys. Their bathrooms aren't weird like ours, right? <laughs> there's lots of churches in Marietta, right? There's lots of stuff going on. But we don't jump to the next best thing. We covenant with each other. We stick with one another. We stay in this kind of rooted and renegade spirit. And, and, and here's where we want to be. We want to be rooted and we want to be renegade, which means we want to be, I love this phrase, revolutionary reformers. Does that stir anybody's heart? It does mine. I want something revolutionary to happen in here. I want the stories that are told about the Grace family of churches to actually reform the way that church is done in America. I want people to look at the way we do things and say, oh my goodness, like there's something new and fresh and exciting going on there and we want to know more about that. There's actually churches that are calling us right now asking if we'll adopt them. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> They're like, hey, we think you guys are doing something really cool. And we're not doing something really cool right now, so could we, like, could you guys teach us how to do something really cool, and could we be a part of your family? And so we're praying into that. We're discerning, like, what does that look like? And, uh, you know, we're, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll birth some churches, and maybe we'll adopt some churches, and, and we'll just see what God does in the future. But, but here's the beautiful thing about this. Revolutionary reformers, rooted in renegades, they're tied to Jesus who is the ultimate example of a rooted renegade, who came to earth, took on flesh, was rooted in the heart of the Father, was rooted in the truth of Scripture, was always full of both grace and truth, but was renegade enough that they killed him because he loved so boldly and he changed the world so dramatically. So we love this idea of being rooted and renegade. And over the past few months, we've been talking about what does it look like for us to get to a place where we can encounter the living God on Sundays and throughout the week, where we don't want to just gather together and have a new grid or a new thing or something to put on Twitter or a word to get me through the week. We actually want to interact with the living spirit of God every single time we gather together. And, and so we've been talking about how do we get there? What does that look like? Uh, the Celts have this tradition, they call it thin spaces. Anybody heard of this? It's this idea that there are spaces in the world where heaven and earth actually get really close to colliding. Have you ever had one of those moments? Those moments where you walk away and you just feel like the presence of God was there. Something significant just happened. There was a thin space between heaven and between earth. There was this quiet space. It's this place where, where heaven comes close, where God comes near, where we recognize his voice, where we hear him working. We discern what he's doing, and we stand in that. And we've talked about how the issue for us is not that God is not present, right? The issue is that we're not aware of his presence. God doesn't show up. We become awake to his presence. And so what does it take as a people for us to become awake to his presence? And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be stepping into a series called Rooted Renegade. And we're just going to be talking about four patterns or four rhythms of life or four modes of life that will help us get to a place where we encounter the living God and we experience the rooted renegade nature that God has called us to. And, and here's what those four spaces are. It's the cave, the road, the table, and the fire. 
And, and, and so we're asking, how do we get to this space? How do we get to these thin spaces? How do we get to the place where we begin to experience the, the, the presence of the living God in our everyday life? And so the cave is where we want to land today. And the cave is like, it's the quiet place. Um, some of you have called it like the prayer closet. When I was a kid in youth group, they called it quiet time. <laughs> right? Uh, we, we, it was actually quiet time was always a guilt trip when I was a kid. Anybody else experience that? It was like the, the quiet time guilt trip. Um, I experienced a lot of quiet time guilt trips. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but it, it's, it's how do we slow down enough so that we can become awake to his presence? So if God is always present and at work, if he's always moving, and the issue is not that God's not working, the issue is not that God's not speaking, the issue is not that God's not moving, the issue is that we're not present to him or we're not awake to his presence, then what are the patterns and rhythms that help us attach ourselves to his presence? And the first thing that we have to do is we actually have to make space for him. We're the busiest culture that's ever existed. Like we, our kids are the busiest kids that have ever lived. Right? I am so tired of driving my kids places. If anybody wants to just drive my kids for a week, right? you could drive them all over town doing the 900 things they're a part of. And I feel like we regulate what my kids do super tight. They're allowed to do one activity at a time. Right? We don't play on two basketball teams at the same time. We play on one. We don't do the, 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 the play at the school and basketball. You've got to choose between one or the other. And so my kids are only involved in one thing at a time. But those turds, I just drive them around everywhere. Right? I guess all I like all of my life is driving back and forth between West Cobb and East Cobb, taking them to all of these different places. We are so busy. And because we're so busy, we're also anxious. I, I truthfully, I, I've been waking up at night anxious. I see I, like it's been happening for like three or four weeks. And I, I'm not typically that anxious of a person, but I've been waking up in the middle of the night just like and I don't even know what's going on. Like, I don't know what I'm anxious about, right? And maybe because nobody's sitting up front. I, I, I don't know what I'm anxious about, but I'm, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, like, just feeling worried and concerned, and, and I can't fall back asleep. We're, we're, we're this worried and fearful culture, and we're busy, and, and, and we don't know how to actually quiet ourselves. Our phones are awful, guys. They pull us away from being present with others. The, my phrase with my kids over and over is, be with the humans, Right? Put the phone away. Be with the humans. They pull us away from conversations. They pull us away from one another. Can I just encourage you, like, at the dinner table, turn the phone off. When, when you have some space in your life where you say, like, I'm actually turning the phone off, and if somebody can't reach me, it's going to be okay. The world will not end if somebody has to wait two hours to get a hold of me. Like, that's a truth that I need to hear for myself. Between 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock, I've made a commitment to my family that my phone is off. Every night, between dinner and when the kids go to bed, I'm turning the phone off. I'm not calling people. I'm not texting. I'm not doing all of these different things. I'm not perfect at it, though. So if you text me in that time to try and test me and I answer. <laughs> right. But I'm trying, right? I'm trying to lean into this space. And so the question for us becomes, like, how do we actually make space for the presence of God to indwell? How do I actually make space for him to be there? And, and, and the answer, I think, is the cave is that we find these quiet spaces. We find these places where the world isn't so loud and everything's not going on. Galatians chapter 6 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Whatever, whatever he sows to, to please their flesh from the flesh, they'll reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, the Spirit will reap eternal life. But let's not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to our family of believers. Here's a spiritual principle that it's, it's being taught here. You get what you invest in. I understand that there are moments where the spirit and the power and the presence of God show up and something miraculous takes place. But more often than not, you know when the spirit and the power and the presence of God shows up. It shows up when we have long obedience in the same direction. It shows up when we're sowing seeds for the harvest. It shows up when we're in prayer week after week, month after month, praying for the same things. There are some of you in this room who have been praying for someone or something for not just a, a few weeks or a few months or a few years. You've been praying for 20 years, for 30 years, for 40 years. Uh, as soon as we leave this, like as, the moment church ends, we're driving to Ohio because my grandfather died this week. He's 95 years old. Uh, I love my grandpa. I love going to grandpa's house. Grandpa built a pool. When I was like 10 years old and the fridge was always stocked with those little icy popsicles and soda and I would just eat sugar and drink soda and swim in the pool all day long at grandpa's house and grandpa was so proud of his swimming pool. He had like his tight swimming trunks on and he would just smile and hug us awkwardly when he was half naked and, and, and invite us. Like his, his, his home was like this place of peace and hospitality and love and I always felt safe and I loved my cousins and I, I loved being there. And my grandparents on both sides of my family, my grandmothers and my grandparents, both sides of my family, every single one of their kids walks with Jesus and every single one of their kids walks with Jesus. And, and, and I want you to know, that's not a coincidence. I think the reason that happened is because my grandfather prayed for 95 years that that would happen. I think it's because they sowed the seeds of prayers that said the greatest thing we want in our life. And I can promise you, if my grandpa was here, he would tell the same story. I want this more than anything. I want my kids to know him. I want my kids to walk with him. I want my kids to experience the goodness of our God. And I want them to walk with him all the days of their life. When my grandma died five or six years ago, she looked at me and she said, don't screw this up. Make sure that everybody makes it. Uh, make sure that that's full pressure, right? Make sure that everybody makes it. Uh, so we're driving there, but I know that that has been built on sowing the seeds of prayer. We get what we invest in over and over and over again. And, and, and for many of us, this idea of the cave has been this guilt trip that's been put on us. I can remember like just hearing sermon after sermon growing up about quiet time. You have to have a quiet time. You have to have a quiet time. You have to have a quiet time. And I would try and have a quiet time, and I hated quiet time. I was bored in quiet time, and I didn't understand the Bible, and God never spoke, and, 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 and I was told that I had to have a quiet time. And every, every time I heard quiet time talk, you know how it was taught? It was taught through the lens of discipline. Anybody, this is what you experienced? And there's some truth in that, right? It, it does take some discipline to find space and to make space in your life. But, but here's the thing. We don't discipline ourselves unless we know what we're getting out of it. I, I would not go to the gym if it didn't transform my body. Are you with me? That would be stupid. Right? Nobody, nobody runs because it's super fun. Except the people that wear the really tight shorts. Like those guys. That, 
Yeah, there's like some crazies that do that. But for the most part, like no, we do those things because what we get on the other side, the reason that we invest in our quiet time, the reason that we find the cave is because the presence of God is the greatest thing that we could ever ask for or imagine. It is the answer to all of our fears, all of our doubts, all of our lies. It is the solution to the hope of the world, and it's what gives us strength to make it through the week. When I am disciplining myself for the sake of a routine or a ritual, I'm not going to do it when I'm disciplining myself for something beautiful and amazing, I will give myself to that. Oftentimes what we try and do, particularly with our kids and our young people, is we try and teach people that something's true before we teach them that something's beautiful. I want my kids to know that the Bible is true. But more than that, I want them to know that God is beautiful. There's a difference between cognitively believing something's true and imagining with all your heart that it's beautiful and knowing that it's worth it. We've got to recalibrate the way that we teach and the way that we train so that we're training people to say, when you get in the cave, when you get in the quiet space, when you build this routine in your life, it's not about a ritual or a routine. It's not about just clocking in and clocking out with God. It's about learning to be in his presence and understanding that there is nothing better than being in his presence. Better is one day in your courts than 10,000 elsewhere. When we start to believe that, we give ourselves to that. And we give ourselves over to the cave. I'm getting fired up. I'm I'm not even halfway done. All right. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. This is is pretty cool. Because this is what we want. This is like the benediction prayer that we pray. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you are rooted and established in love. We have another slide there. I don't know what happened there, but we may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of God is. And to know know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So we are rooted so that we can be filled. We want to be filled with the fullness of God. What a beautiful statement that is. Like all throughout scripture, Acts, we just walked through Acts for like a year. Uh, Acts is just filled with this phrase. They were filled with the Spirit. And so I'm asking myself, like, how do we get filled with the Spirit? Because here's the truth. I've got a little youth ministry illustration. Are we all right with that? Uh, These ping pong balls are going to represent our fears and our doubts and the lies that we believe. And every one of our fears and doubts and lies are either lies about ourselves or about God that we believe. We, we call it bad news, right? So the gospel is called the good news. But we also, if there is a good news, there's also a bad news that's at work in our life. And so in our life, there are all these fears and there are all these doubts and there are all these lies and there's all this bad news that's at work over and over again. I, every, every week that I stand up here to preach, I have this fear that I'm not good enough. I have this fear that I didn't hear from the Lord correctly. I have this worry that I can't measure up to the legacy that Buddy set in front of us. I have this fear that I'm going to say something that's going to screw up the church. I have these doubts in what God has placed in me. I have these worries that sometimes wake me up at night and say, what if I screw all this up? 
And even when things are good, right? Even when the church is growing and things are going well, I, I have this fear of like, we're just one step away. One missaid thing on Sunday, one like social media post, one like, and everybody leaves. What are some of the fears that you guys hold? Fears and doubts and lies. Just somebody name some things out. Fears and doubts and lies. We need interaction here. We can do it. Money. There's not enough, right? We have a scarcity mentality. I'm worried about my money. Parents, yes, worried about our kids, fears about our kids, what's going to happen to their future. Career, what do I do next? Where do I go? Marriage, health. Just keep piling them in because you guys are not saying enough, but there's there's a lot of them. Right? We've already. Yeah, I hear some. I don't know what they're saying, but now, now everybody's talking at once. All right? So here's what happens. Here's what happens. It's a good youth ministry 101. Here's what happens. Our life actually gets filled with bad news. Our our, our life actually gets filled with fears and doubts and lies. And and so like our natural response, like even our thinking, like like scripture always talks about like we want to have the mind of Christ. We we can't have the mind of Christ when our when our when our mind is full of lies. And so God actually wants to like give us a new mind. He wants to give us a new heart. He wants to teach us a new way. And and so we go to him and we say, Lord, I, like I want, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show up on Sunday morning, and you're going to fill me. But nothing happens. We just get a little juicy, right? Get a little excited that week, get a little word, I'm going to post something on Facebook, right? So we go next week, and we're like, yeah, and nothing happens. And then we decide, like, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, give my, I'm going to start coming on Wednesday night, too. I'm going to start, like, really leaning into this. I'm going to start doing something different, and I'm going to just show up and... And, and the more present we are with God, the more we get in the cave, the more we experience his presence, we start to see, like, some of my fears have fallen out. And actually what's happening is, like, the spirit of God is working and moving and changing things in my life. But, but the problem is oftentimes we get satisfied with this. Like, we're, we're happy to be lukewarm. We're like, I, I know that there's some lies that I believe, but there's... Also, this a little, I got a little bit of a filling, right? I got, I got a little bit of God that's working and moving. And, and, and Scripture says we, we don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be filled. We want to be filled. And so then what happens is we give ourselves over to the Father, and we just say, come on, we want all of it. And knock those off the top of it. So listen, listen. We haven't even gotten to the cool part yet, right? So then we're filled with something else, right? We're filled with the presence of God. We're filled with the power of God. We're filled with him. And here's what happens to our fears and our lies and our doubts. They can sit on the surface, but they can't go deep. They can't get in here, right? It doesn't matter how many of them there are. They just sit on the surface. 
They cannot go deep into our heart because we're filled with something else. We're filled with the presence and the power of God. We've got Him working through us, and the good news overpowers all the lies and the doubts and the fears that we have in our life, and we begin to live into something fresh and new. You want to think about something even more exciting. The Bible doesn't just talk about being filled. It talks about there's some people, and their life is actually an overflow. And so what happens is the stuff in our life starts splashing out onto everybody else's fears and doubts and lies. And we overflow with the Spirit of God so that it doesn't actually just knock the fears and doubts out of us. It starts knocking it out of other people as well. This is what's available to us in the cave. In the quiet place with Him is this place of overflow, this space where we're filled with the Spirit. What happens is we become what God imagines. We walk in step with him. We know where he's leading and we follow. And everything he gives us, we just get. And so in that presence, we listen for him. In that presence, we find both our identity and our mission. We find out who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. And so every single day in the presence of the most holy God, I stop and I say, Lord, is there anything you want to share with me about my day today? Is there anything that is on my calendar that needs to be changed? Is there a person that I need to reach out to? Is there a place that I need to go? And sometimes God asks me to do weird stuff, guys. And I'm learning to obey, and I'm learning to listen, and I'm learning that the cave is not just for me, it's also for the world. Because if I don't get alone in the cave, then my fears and my doubts and my lies and my bad news start to pour out on my kids. And if I can get alone with the Spirit of God, then the overflow, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what begins to flow out of my heart is the fullness of the presence of God. I begin to experience His goodness and His grace, and that's what gets poured out on everybody else. I've heard this phrase recently. um, If Sunday mornings are full, then the pastor is popular. If Wednesday night is full, then then the church is popular. If the prayer meetings are full then Jesus is popular. And I want us to be a place where, man, it's fun to gather together. But we want the spirit of the living God more than anything. Every six weeks this year, we're doing 24 hours of prayer. Every six weeks this year, we're going to gather together on a Wednesday, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to discern. Cecile has her burn group that meets Every single or once a month on Tuesdays, uh, and it's in the bulletin when you you find out when those things happen. But we want to get in these spaces where we actually are seeking him and asking him to use us and fill us up. I I heard this quote this week. God doesn't give a man a dream. He, He doesn't give us a dream or a vision. What he does is he takes a vision or a dream and he wraps it around that man. Isn't that beautiful? Like he doesn't just give us something to say like, Julian, I got this for you. Ethan, I got this for you. Graham, I got this for you. He doesn't just like throw us out and like say, like, go do this. I'm going to use you to do this. What he actually does is he wraps his dream for our life around us in that quiet place. And in the quiet place, in the cave, we seek him and we find him. And he speaks and life begins to happen. If we want to become fully alive, then we do it in the quiet place. If we want to become fully alive, it starts in the cave. I could never preach if I didn't get alone with the Lord. You know how I prepare to preach? You guys will be really disappointed in this. I pray. That's it. 
I say, Lord, what, like, what do you want me to say this week? Where do you want to lead me in Scripture? And if he's quiet, I, I just say, Lord, will you please tell me before Sunday? And I've got a little file in my phone. I've got notes in my phone. And every single week when the Lord tells me something, no matter where I'm at, this morning I woke up at 5 a.m. I was so irritated with God. I was like, God, could you just tell me this at 7? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, we, we were at the thing all day yesterday. I was exhausted. I was tired. I didn't have a sermon until 5 a.m. this morning. I woke up at 5 a.m. God said, do the youth ministry thing. I knew exactly what he was talking about <laughs> when he said that. Right? And, and, and talk about the presence of, uh, and, and, and my power. And, and I started like just writing notes in my phone. And my wife was like, what are you doing? It's 5 a.m. And I was like, God won't let me sleep. Like that, that's how we figure out what we're supposed to do. We just get in his presence. When we're hurting, we get in his presence. When we're confused, we get in his presence. When we're scared, we get in his presence. We just keep running back to his presence. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into these rhythms. We actually have a journal. I don't have one in my hand right now, but we have a journal. It's a 30-day journal that will walk you through this, that we want to journey through as a church. Um, we've got them at the Welcome Center. We've got about 80, 75 or 80 of them. Um, so I would love for us to get rid of those today. Um, they're $5 a piece. Uh, $5 a piece. And some of you are like, $5, how dare you? If you can't invest $5 in your spiritual journey, then you come to me and I will give you $5. All right, we'll figure it out. Uh, but it's $5 for you to, to take one of those and to journey um, kind of with us through the month. And it just has space every day where you look at the cave, the road, the table, and the fire and you examine your life and say, all right, this is what God spoke to me in the cave. This is what I heard. This is what I discerned. This is what I experienced on the road. Because without the cave, we don't have the road. This is what I experienced at the table of other believers. And this is the fire of the Holy Spirit that's burning inside of me. And so we just track that, right? We just journey with it. It becomes like, a, like I'm gonna, just going to track the way that God is speaking for a month. And so I want to encourage everybody to grab one of those. And then I want to end the service today just in a time of prayer. Um, because here, here's what I recognize. The band's going to come up, and, and, and I recognize that for many of you out there, like, you, you want to be in the presence of God. The issue is not want to. There's just been a challenge. And so I, I, I was, as I was praying this morning, I just felt like there's some people in this room who have just, like, God has just been silent for a long time. And you've been longing for him to speak. Like you want to hear from him. You want to experience him in a new and a fresh way. And he's just been quiet. Um, I, I think there's some of you in this room who would say like, I, I, I am not filled up right now. I just feel completely empty. I just feel completely dry. I feel like I've got nothing left to give to my kids, to my work. I, I, I just feel like I need an outpouring of the spirit in me. And, and the only way I know how to fix this stuff is right, it's in the presence of God. And so today, we want to just actually go into the presence of God, and we just want to pray for that. And so the band is going to start to play, and as they do, I just want, if, if you in your life right now are just longing to hear from God and you feel like he's silent, I just want you to stand up right now. If you feel like God, I think there's something that, I, we don't do this very often, we don't do the like every head bowed, every eye closed stuff, and we don't do the stand up thing very often, but I think there's something powerful in a declaration that says, I'm willing to put my feet into this, and I'm willing to ask for help, because we reap what we sow. And so if you feel like God's been silent, I want you to stand up. If you feel dry, and you feel empty, and you feel like you don't have enough to give right now, I want to ask you to stand up. And this is what I want to do. I just want to ask some people that are around them to kind of lay hands on them right now. 
Um, just as you're around them, go ahead. Other people can stand up, put some hands on them. And we just want to spend a minute in the service praying because the power of the Holy Spirit that fills us, it, it comes from Him. And so we ask boldly. And so let's, let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, we just thank you that you are a good Father who loves us and knows us. Lord, I can't imagine not speaking to my kids. And so right now, I pray through the power of your spirit that you would speak, that you would move, that you would work, that you would break through. I pray that you give words, that you give revelation, that you reveal your heart to these people. I pray that any space where they feel empty, that you would meet them with your presence and with your power. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give them a fresh word this week. I pray that you would breathe on them in a fresh way so they experience your your goodness and your mercy and your love. I pray that you would meet them as a king who is renegade and full of power, but you would love them as a dad who is rooted and cares for them. And we pray, God, that you would break through in all of our lives. Lord, every single one of us in this room, we want to be filled by you. We want to know you. We want to hear from you. We want to walk with you. And so we position ourselves to hear from you. I pray that this is not a discipline thing, it's not a routine thing, it's not a ritual thing. I pray that in the quiet place that you would come to life. And I pray that you would break through. Holy Spirit of God, breathe. Power of Jesus, move. We thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to move into a time of communion and worship.